Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Wurzbacher, and today we are going to talk about boys and their toys. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to love playing with matchbox cars, Tonka trucks, any other cool cars and trucks that could do anything and go anywhere. I actually remember this one toy truck I had called the Animal. It was a battery operated toy car, but it had these huge rubber tires with claws that came out that gave them extra traction. Um, and it could basically go anywhere. Uh, whether we're adults or we're children, we still love our toys. And uh, as, as kids, we get to use our imaginations to create adventures with these toys. But when we grow up to be adults, we get to turn our dreams into reality, which is the coolest thing. And so our guest today is Will Berkeley. And he knows a thing or two about using toys to create adventure. Uh, he is a Charlotte native. His family has been here for many generations. He's the father of four, a general contractor, the owner of Berkeley Construction Management, and he provides business owners with construction management representation. So my first exposure to Will was at the, as the dad of one of my daughter's friends. And I took special note because he has the coolest truck. It is a forerunner with big, chunky tires, all sorts of accessories, and it looks like it could go anywhere. So it's just like the animal that I had when I was a kid. So as luck would have it, Will and I have become friends. And uh, when he's not building things, he is an adventurer, and he has taken that awesome truck on many adventures through a recreational activity that has been called overlanding. And he is here today to tell us about that. So with that, Will... Welcome to the campfire, my friend. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, sat around the campfire with you once before out in the wilderness, and it was great. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do it again. We did, man. We had uh, we went backpacking out in Linville Gorge just a couple of weeks ago and had a had a great experience. And I got to hear some of these stories firsthand. I'm so excited to to share with the listeners. So uh, I, I want to start just going straight to overlanding because that might be a term that listeners might not even be familiar with. Can you just kind of give us some context? What is overlanding? Well, quite frankly, it was a word that I had never heard either when I started um, this adventure and building this toy. But overlanding is traveling overland, particularly with the vehicle and all the things that you need to go survive and have an adventure. That could be a mild adventure or a really great adventure. There's a lot of car camping and exploring and going somewhere that you've never been before involved. And it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful time. Yeah, super fun. And, you know, I can say like anybody just Google the word overlanding and go to the images pages and it's just riddled with just awesome looking trucks and cool experiences of just being anywhere, like being out in the woods and, and uh, you know, just cutting through terrain that a regular car just wouldn't get through. So it's super awesome. So, you know, I made a big deal in the intro about your truck. It is a badass truck, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, and before we jump into the adventure that you actually took us on, do you mind, like, how did that truck sort of come to be for you? 
Well, I have always been an adventurer and I've always done outdoor things. And um, I've always had toys that allow me to do adventure. So I have a whitewater raft and several whitewater kayaks and a canoe. And when I bought the Forerunner, I uh, knew that I was going to need a rack for the top of the truck to be able to haul these boats and gear to go do all the different adventures that I want to do. And when I was searching Forerunners and roof racks, I came across some really incredible overland vehicles that just kind of inspired me. Uh, I had always seen old land cruisers and and things like that that people would use for overland vehicles, but I'd never seen uh, somebody use a Forerunner this way. And I had one, so it just became the a thing. I ordered that roof rack that day, and I don't think I've stopped ordering things to to help facilitate adventure with this truck and just continued to, to build it and it became what it became. So. I love it. So, so it just started as a forerunner and you just started adding things to it. And I remember when we were backpacking together, you were talking about how like, you're just not somebody that would typically spend money on a vehicle, but this thing just happened. Yeah. You know, I think I was raised with some really fiscally responsible parents and yeah. anybody that was driving around their vehicle with wheels on their car had more money than they knew what to do with, according to some of my parents. Sure, sure. So I, I kind of had adopted that that mental philosophy that if I had money to buy wheels on my car, when I already had perfectly good wheels on my car, I was just kind of wasting money. But I had a unique experience after I had purchased the roof rack. I saw a Forerunner that had some really cool wheels on it that were larger. <laughs> yeah, really enjoyed them, and uh, they were probably—I think they were about twelve hundred dollars or something yeah. for this set of wheels. Yeah. And I was talking to my brother-in-law about it, and he was like, "Well, let me call those guys." I just—he's he, in the video production world, and he had done some film shooting for them. He said, "I'll call them and see what they can do." And they basically told me that they would give them to me at less than 50% uh, shipped to my door. So they were going to be about $600, which was an incredible deal for that. But still was $600 and a pair of rims when I already had a perfectly good set of wheels yeah. in my truck. And randomly, somebody gave me a gift uh, for a thank you gift. And it was $600. Oh man, the universe is conspiring for you. I got it that same day that my brother-in-law said, I can get you these rims for $600. And I got this random check that I didn't have accounted for anything, $600. So it's a pretty easy decision at that point. The universe spoke to you. I love it. Oh man. So I'm sure you could probably tell by the smile on my face, the excitement I have for, for this, that, that truck. But I, the funny thing we, you and I had some more conversation about is, um, you know, this idea, like it is a cool truck. It looks cool. And so my question is like, does it start with sort of, you know, I, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way, but like the vanity of a cool truck. Or does it start with like, I want to have a truck so I can go on adventure? Like what, what which one comes first? I think for me, um, it was, I'm trying to facilitate a great adventure. Yeah. After I built it, I would come out of the store and there'd be people standing around my truck <laughs> taking pictures yeah. or doing things. And that part was fun. It was not something that I had ever really thought about it was yeah. really the adventure is what i was thinking about and then yes it became a really neat car that is is a lot of fun and a lot of people seem to enjoy it and that gives yeah. me a lot of joy as well so 
That's so fun when you can share it. You know, it's just interesting. I had um, uh, Bill Barty at Jesse Brown's mm-hmm. on the show, and I think yep, you know him. To that podcast. Yeah, and um, and he was talking about how like you know we have a lot of uh, professionals here in Charlotte that that go to work and they're at the bank or you know they work in a hospital or whatever and they're doing their day jobs, but you know they love to come into the store and buy their Patagonia gear and the North Face gear and wear that so they can kind of feel like an identity of adventure, even though that's not necessarily how they live their their day to day life because they want that feeling of adventure and so sometimes when you like when you don the gear it it makes you it inspires you to go do the adventures and i mean i'll admit i'm I'm a perfect example so i drive a a gmc truck and uh, a couple of years ago i just on a whim because i wanted to i put some chunky tires on it and like when i put those chunky i mean and it's it's kind of ridiculous we live in charlotte it doesn't snow here like you don't need four-wheel <laughs> drive but like ever since i got those tires that like it makes me want to go out and use them and so like mm-hmm. you know the van for me like you know just being honest the vanity like inspired me like if i'm gonna have those tires i might as well go out and do some adventure and yeah. you know this podcast does the same thing for me as i hear people's adventures like it makes me want to go out and do it as well so it's pretty cool that you've created uh created such a cool thing and you know that car like i see you driving around i'm like oh man there he goes and it just gets me fired up and wanting to get out in the woods it feels like an adventure just going to the grocery store sometimes it does i love it yeah (laughs) so cool all right so but but this truck is not about vanity for you and you took this thing on an epic i mean you've been on several uh, adventures with it but one really that was epic and i'd love for you to tell us about that can you just kind of hit the highlights of it first and then we'll go deep into some of the stuff that happened along the way if it's okay let me give you just a little background kind of inspiration for my trip was my father and Excuse me, I didn't know that, that was going to be um, something that took me up a little bit. He let, it, let it flow. Was my Indiana Jones. You know, he was the coolest adventurer I ever knew. And from a very young age, he took me to go do all kinds of different adventures. And um, he retired and then immediately got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and didn't get to do a lot of different things that I don't know if he had hoped and dreamed, but I had hoped and dreamed before him. Yeah. He had the opportunity to do it. And so shortly after I recognized that he was pretty sick and he he was at the point where he couldn't even go ride along and go camping with me anymore. It would give him yeah. too much anxiety. Yeah. And I just um, thought, you know, maybe one day I might get Alzheimer's. And there's a lot of things that I want to experience. And so I'm going to go do it decided that I wanted to go see the country. I have spent most of my life here in the Southeast and done minimal traveling around the country. And so I decided I was going to drive across the country and see all the things that I had wanted to see. And so then the cliff notes are that I took about six weeks off of work. It took me about a year to plan to have that much time away and, and to take a sabbatical and have my clients okay with that. And I started building the truck again, not realizing what overlanding was or even what my trip was going to look like. It started as I'm going to go camping across the country because that's what I can afford to do. And I'll drive and I'll find a campsite at night. So that was the inspiration for my trip. And it evolved over the years. My truck evolved as I continued to build it and plan to have the best 
really the best facility. I'm in the building world, yeah. so that's the word I use. The right. best, best tool to facilitate me living and traveling across the country for six weeks and doing adventure. Uh, that's That was the inspiration, and that is is, is really the big trip. So. Yeah, it, it, it's really impactful. So uh, how, how long were you sort of planning this trip before you, the day you actually got in the car? Like when did it go from sort of idea, like and like kind of that I'm going to do this to to the moment that you got in the car to leave? It was pretty close to a year. Uh, I had had a couple of contracts with clients that ended at a specific time. And so I knew when those ended, I was going to have a break. So as I was onboarding new clients, I onboarded them for six weeks later and said, yes, I'm happy to do this work as long as we can start at this date. And all of them said that that was fine. I started building my truck on the weekends and evenings and doing different things to it and um, really trying to decide places that I wanted to go. And I took an old atlas that I had from when I was a young kid that had all the national parks in it. And I flipped through and just looked at what was where. And I circled a lot of different places that I thought that I would want to go. Realized that a lot of them weren't anywhere close to each other. So I figured I would just have to drive to those places. Um, And somewhere along the way, as I was building my truck and discovered what overlanding was, I found websites from other folks that have done overlanding and similar trips, and they had put together files, GPX files that show locations of where they have been and explained their routes. And there were two trails in particular that I came across. One is called the Georgia Traverse, and it leads from the east side of North Georgia to the west side of North Georgia and is about 60% unpaved roads. And so it leads through forest service roads through the back country. Some of it is just simple gravel roads, and then there's rivers that you have to drive across to be able to continue on the Georgia Traverse as well. Um, And then there is another trail that I came across called the Transamerica Trail. Mm -hmm. Was The Transamerica Trail was put together by, I believe, some dual sport motorcycle riders. And originally it led from West Virginia down through North Carolina all the way across the country and eventually uh, hits uh, the state of Washington. Now I think they've extended it and it starts further up than West Virginia. And I think it goes into Canada, but I started my trip at the Georgia Traverse and somewhere along the way in Georgia, the Transamerica trail and the Georgia Traverse merge. Mm -hmm. So as I got to the West side of Georgia, I continued on the Transamerica trail all the way through. I I, I stayed on the Transamerica trail until I got into Moab and then I picked a few other routes on the, on the way. The Transamerica trail is 90% unpaved roads. So it leads all the way across the country and 90% of it is gravel roads. And again, some of those are smooth forest service roads um, or farm roads that are just dirt or gravel farm roads. And you're just driving through the country, Um, Oklahoma, you can see it the grid lines of these dirt roads between farms and you're just cruising. And then sometimes you are in four wheel drive going through a, you know, three foot deep mud hole crossing a river. 
sometimes you come across a tree that has fallen in, in your road and you've got to figure out how to either get around it or remove it. And that, that was the journey. Why is that so cool, man? Is that, does that just take us back to childhood or like, what is it about like going through three foot mud holes and, you know, having to go around trees or, um, you know, we, I, you and me had just a very, very minor little taste when we went uh, camping, we had to stop and there was a log that had fallen across <laughs> the road and we had to jump out of the car and move it to keep going up to the top of the mm -hmm. parking lot. And, uh, I don't know, it's like something cool about that. It's just like, Oh, okay. We got to move this obstacle out of the way if we want to keep going. I mean, I think that in, in our world, there's so many modern conveniences. You know, if something, a tree falls across the road, there's a public service that comes and takes care of that, usually before you even realize it. There's a gas station on every corner. There's a quick food place everywhere. There's a bathroom at every gas station or quick service place. And I think there's a certain amount of joy that comes with being self-sufficient and not relying on all those things. There's a certain amount of joy that comes with getting away from the life that, you know, we've created for ourselves with all the conveniences yeah. and figure out how to, how to do that yourself on your own or with a small group of people. Um, the food tastes better when you're out in the woods and you cook it on your little teeny stove. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it doesn't taste the same when you cook that exact same meal at home. It is way better in the wilderness. And I think that that's just true about a lot of things. The conversations are better. Um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's just great. There's a lot less distractions out there. Yeah. So, so the joy and self-sufficiency, um, and uh, I think that's a good segue because you had, uh, you had like on that trip, you had a lot of, a lot of experiences, like unexpected things that came up and, you know, gave you plenty of opportunities to prove that you were self-sufficient. Like before we jump into that first one, um, just for the listeners, you, how much of this trip were you like on your own versus with other people? So I, I did a six week trip and 50% of it, I was by myself and 50% of it, I had some friends along the way. So I had a good buddy from Ohio fly out to California and he drove back across the country with me on my way back for a week. And I had another good buddy spend nine days with me. And we went through Yosemite in the Mojave Desert in Arizona together. And I also spent a little bit of time at my brother-in-law and my sister's house in Arizona. And my brother-in-law is also very adventurous. And uh, so we spent a lot of that time driving around the desert and exploring some, some neat places in Arizona. Uh, but, but for three weeks I was by myself and I, I, I think that that was some of the best time that I had. Um, there were days where I just drove with the window rolled down, the radio was off and I didn't miss the radio. I had lots of conversations in my head, lots of time to process things. And it was really pleasant. I never felt lonely. There was always something new to see and new to do. And like you said, a, a new random challenge. So what's going on in that alone time? You said lots of time for processing stuff going on in, in, sure. in your head. I'm sure um, there's probably some some chatter moments and then some just peace moments. What, what What's going on during those three weeks? I think all of the above. I mean, when when you remove yourself from all the modern conveniences and you're out there and it's, you know, just you and whatever resources you have, I think probably the best way for me to describe it is there's a lot less distractions mm. um, from 
where I want to be and where I, what I desire to be. You know, during the day, there's a lot of, there's a phone call I don't want to take, or there's an email I don't want to send or, yeah. you know, and, and I love my work. I don't mean that I don't, but um, when you're out there by yourself and the agenda is mine completely and I'm in control of it. Um, I don't know. It just, there's less distractions from the things that are important to you and the things that are important to you rise, rise to the surface. Um, some, uh, there's this old saying that like an idle mind is the devil's playground. Right. Mm. And I would say I probably had some of those moments where I yeah. was out there. I was like, Ooh, maybe that's not really the kind of thing that I want to think about. Um, yeah. however, most of the time that mind wasn't very idle. You know, I thought about my children and my relationship with my children and my spouse and my friends and what I wanted to do with work thought about the things that inspired me, you know, it was, it was just really good time, just really good time to get to know myself. Yeah. So I think now, now just because you let in there is a good time, as good as time to any, like, I'd be curious for, for you to talk about sort of how like this trip has changed you, like what, and I mean, especially in that alone time, like at the end of all that, especially the alone time, how did Will become different during that time? Uh, I think I, one, I really appreciated that alone time. I have four kids. Mm -hmm. I was one of four kids. I got married very young. You know, there's not been a lot of time for just Will to spend with Will. So mm -hmm. this was one of the first times that I'd really spent any time by myself. And, you know, you and I talked about journaling and a few other yep. things. Um, I think that time by yourself to process what's going on in your life, the things that you do like and don't like, what made you feel good, what didn't make you feel good is just super important and makes you a healthier and better person to all the people that you're around when you do that. And so I think that is good. And I'm very intentional about spending time by myself and yeah. processing those things and I'm really working on journaling. Uh, yeah, good. Things that, um, try to do in my alone time. But I feel like that makes me, when I'm healthier and better, that makes me a better father and a better friend and those those things. So, you know, it's just really understanding me and what makes me work. And I'm an evolving person, so that changes. Yes, we all we all are for sure. So, all right, well, take me to Arizona because I think that's where the, <laughs> the story that I, that I most love <clears throat> on our trip take, take me to arizona and tell me about some of the some of the adventures you had in in your truck well i think the i'll just get right to it. the thing yeah. we're talking about is uh on my my trip there were lots of incredible experiences i came across a, a tree that was down across the road and fortunately i had a chainsaw and i had to spend a couple hours with a random gentleman that I met in the woods doing that. But um all right, hold on, time out because I gotta yeah. just I got for the listeners, like this is overlanding, right? <laughs> across country with a chainsaw, right? Yeah. Most people don't keep a chainsaw in their truck, but that's what overlanding is about. I think that now this is one of those opportunities where it was less about facilitating adventure and more that I wanted a cool chainsaw. Yeah. But <laughs> as I went through an overlanding checklist, chainsaw is one of the things that was on the checklist and I yeah. really wanted a chainsaw and had some tree work to do. So buy a new chainsaw. <laughs> and um, 
I do have to say, you know, people look at my car and I have all these different tools and things. I used every single thing that I purchased, including the chainsaw, yes. uh, cutting down a tree. Uh, but back to Arizona, yeah. I was, uh, I went to Arizona to visit my brother-in-law. And uh, I also, at this point in time, had one of my best friends, Brian, with me. And uh, both of these guys are adventurers as well. They've been doing adventures their entire life. My brother-in-law's in the film industry and has made some films about adventures. Um, and then my other good friend and I have done tons of adventuring, kayaking and rock climbing together. And he is a paramedic and a flight medic. So... I had a really great team of people with me that are very adventurous. Also, I felt really safe. You know, I had really good medical professionals and yep. <laughs> as well as other resourceful folks with me. And we went to drive up. There's a pretty famous trail called, I think it's called the Back Road to King's. It's King something, King Crown. Crown King, that's what it is. There you go. It's the Back Road to Crown King. And it is a off-road trail that's pretty assertive to drive up and we drove up and when you get to crown king there's a small town that has another road to get to it but even the mailman has a four-wheel drive vehicle that delivers mail up there it's a small community yeah. and on the way down we went down a different trail and we traveled through a canyon i believe it was called bumblebee canyon it's really neat little place you're out in the desert we were in the middle of a super bloom which apparently happens every six or seven years in the desert. And so there was gorgeous flowers. It's really just an incredibly beautiful experience. And as you come through Bumblebee Canyon, there are old remnants of gold mines. And every now and then you'll see somebody in their four wheel drive vehicle on the side of the river painting for gold. And nice. just a gorgeous place. Um, lots of saguaro cactuses out there. Yeah. But as you come down, you're crossing, you have to cross over the river probably seven or eight times uh, to get all the way down this road. And it's relatively deep at times. Um, and we got to a place where you were supposed to cross the river and then drive around an obstacle and come back across the river. And I decided I just wanted to take a shortcut and drive straight down the river. So I got on the radio to my buddies and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. You know, what do you guys think? And they were like, oh, we 100% we support that decision. So I turned and started driving down this river and it got deeper and deeper and the water started to come over the hood of my vehicle and then it started to come back up. And I was like, great, I'm, I'm doing just fine. And all of a sudden I just felt the bottom of the river get really soft and the truck just kind of sunk right in and oh, man. Was not going anywhere. So the water, I looked down at the floorboards and the water started coming in and I quickly gathered as my laptop and all these things and I'm trying to put them up higher in the vehicle to protect that. But water filled up my vehicle and got up to the top of the seats. Oh. Um, I did have a winch and some really great tools that I had purchased, but I had, other than, you know, watching a few YouTube videos and figuring out how to install them. I'd never used them before. Yeah. And my winch was underwater because my, my bumper <laughs> was underwater. And you, and you said you had radioed your buddy. So they're on, I think you, I think you said they're on like ATVs or something. Yeah. My brother-in-law has a razor, which is okay, like yeah. a large ATV. And we had some 
ham radios that we were using Got to it. talk back and forth to each other um, and communicate. At this point, they were standing on the side of the river with their mouths open. Like, you just better get it through your head that you just turned your car into a $60,000 paperweight. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, just, you know, I guess when your vehicle's in the middle of the river and you're in the middle of the desert and you're 10 miles away from a paved road, um, you can either sit there and cry about it or you can start to do something. And fortunately, between me and my buddies, other than my brother-in-law talking the trash through the process, <laughs> everybody was about the task at hand. Yeah. And we figured out it took us about an hour and a half, but we did eventually get my truck out of the river. And so how, what did it take? How did you have to do that? So you're in the desert. There's not really many trees in the desert. Mm -hmm. And we were in the middle of a river and there weren't very many rocks. So there were not very many things to attach my, my truck to, to pull it out. And the Razor ATV was not um, something strong enough to, to pull it out. So we found a few small rocks and hooked the winch up to it. First moved a few rocks instead of moving the, the vehicle. Yeah. Uh, but eventually we got it and moved and we had to kind of reposition the, the winch attachment a few, a few times. And we got it so that three of the four tires were out of the river and the water was draining and the car wouldn't work anymore. Um, was very grateful that the battery continued to power the winch, yes. um, the underwater winch. <laughs> um, but we got it out and I ended up spending the night in the truck in the middle of the desert where, while my buddy and brother-in-law left they came back the next day with a jeep that my brother-in-law had borrowed and in the middle of this i was like let's just call a tow company we're out here in the middle of nowhere i was prepared to just pay whatever to get my truck out of there and my brother was like absolutely not we're doing this ourselves we will get this out of here so we showed up the next day with a jeep and we were able to tow it about 10 miles until we got to paved road and it was some pretty aggressive four-wheel drive driving. Did you have to go back through any rivers? I did not have to cross any more rivers. I don't, I don't believe if we did, it was, there was maybe a small shallow area. Yeah. But there were definitely areas that were like just up and over and you're being towed. And one place where we were coming down this big bumpy hill and because my truck didn't work, I didn't have power brakes. So I'm standing on the brake pad with, you know, to both feet as I'm going down, just hoping that I don't run into the back of the Jeep. But we, we got it out and we put it in a on a U-Haul trailer and took it to a shop in Arizona, in Phoenix. And they flushed all the fluids, which fortunately did not have any water in it, which is a really great sign. And they replaced one fuse and it cranked back up and everything was great. Amazing. It was amazing. So I think I spent about $800 or so at the shop in Phoenix and then we took the car back to my brother-in-law's house and we had a uh, carpet shampooer where we sucked as much moisture as we possibly could out of the seats and repacked and reorganized all the stuff in the, the truck and then got back on the road to head to LA to drop my buddy at the airport. And as soon as we got into the middle of the Mojave desert, I was going 70 miles an hour. There's no car around and I have no phone signal. My car just died. It just shut off. Uh, and I'm just 
coasting down the highway going, what am I going to do now? So, you know, I thought I had the challenge and the adventure resolved and it, it continued. And so we were in the middle of the desert. I had no phone signal with me and my buddy who had a flight six hours later. And <laughs> I hitchhiked east about 30 miles to a U-Haul that happened to have a truck. I actually got picked up on the side of the road by a gentleman who was a subcontractor for U-Haul and he repaired their vehicles. And so he had a computer in his car that allowed him to look up and see where vehicles and trailers were available. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know how you get that fortunate when you get in your middle of the desert, but really great guy. And he drove me, I rented a truck, my buddy got um, some phone signal, called a tow truck to take my car 45 miles the opposite direction to a U-Haul location that had a trailer. And they showed up with a tow truck and tried to pick up my truck and my truck was too heavy for mm. the tow truck. So he had to get a different tow truck. <laughs> Got it to the U-Haul place. I drove there. We loaded everything up, put it on the trailer, and headed to L.A. And we missed his flight, of course, but uh, we did still get to L.A. that day. Um, the adventure continued. The folks in Arizona had said that if they replaced my computer, it was going to be a couple of grand. And I got to LA and found this shop and they found a used computer for $300 and installed it for $600. And a couple of days later, I was back on the road and I haven't had a single problem with it. Since. It's it's crazy. And that, and how long ago was that? It was right at three years ago, three years ago. And you're still driving yeah. around in that amazing truck. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing, but if you go up and you look at it, it is scratched up. It's dented up. Yeah. But those are war wounds, man. Those are awesome. I love every single one of those scratches and dents I've earned. They all have their own little story with them. uh, Every single one. So um, one thing, when you were telling me the story, um, when we were backpacking, like you created this visual for me, you had mentioned that you were in the river like probably at the lowest moment where you had just gotten stuck and it was like, I mean, I'm stuck. Like what in the world am I going to do now? And it was like, kind of like probably the, the, the bottom moment, but you said your friend, I think it was your friend or somebody commented that at that moment they looked at you and you had the biggest smile on your face. Really? What, 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 what had happened was I, I was just like you said, vehicle was in the middle of the river. I have taken my boots off because I had leather boots on and threw them on top of my truck and I'm barefooted and I'm standing in the middle of the river. And my brother-in-law is in the the film production industry and he takes a camera everywhere he goes and he was getting great footage. So we've got, we've got great video footage of me sinking my truck. And in the moment where he was telling me that I better get through my thick skull that I just turned my truck into a paperweight he was taking some pictures and he took a picture of me. The next day he sent me some of the pictures that he had taken. And there's a picture of me standing in the middle of the river, maybe 30 minutes after my truck has sunk, it's still in the river. And I have in that photo, the best smile on my face. I actually look happier than I had ever seen myself before. When I saw that picture, it actually made me cry. (laughs) Like here I am in this moment where I'm in the middle of the river with the truck sunk. Uh, man, I was just 
completely happy being out in the wilderness with great friends, ch- doing something challenging together, figuring out how to how to make it happen on our own. And we, and we did. We were completely successful. If you're willing to call a sunk vehicle in a river successful, um, <laughs> it is one of the best best days of my life. I had such a great time. Do you remember that moment? Like your you, the, the photo obviously said you were happy. Like, do you remember that moment? Do you remember feeling? I it? do. I don't remember being um, being very stressed yeah. at that moment. I remember feeling like it, there was a challenge. Um, I think I was more concerned about getting my buddy to his flight on time because mm-hmm. um, that had implications on the rest of his normal life. <laughs> and, uh, so. I think if there was anything that I was concerned about, it was that. But when I went on this adventure, I think I was prepared to lose my vehicle. That's not what I wanted to do. Sure. But the adventure was the inspiration. The vehicle was a tool to yeah. make that adventure happen. The adventure was the goal. Uh, I, I love my truck. It's a lot of fun. It allows me to do some really cool things. Yeah. But it's still a truck. You know, and I think for people that are listening, you know, you've you've been an adventurer your whole life. Your dad got you started. You talked about that. And, and, you know, you've you've experienced lesser setbacks over the course of your adventure. And so there was kind of a build up to that. It wasn't like you just you know had no experience and all of a sudden you're thrown out there and you just have this like, you know, death wish that that's not the case. Like you have you've been preparing for that your whole life. I think the other thing that's really important is that you mentioned you were with two people that have extensive experience. You're with a paramedic, a a flight medic. I mean, you're with people that like know what to do in a crisis. And so like you mentioned that like you felt safe and, and that's important. This is not like an adrenaline, like let's just take this like wild risk where anything could happen. Like you knew what the, you knew that you had help there. And I think that's a huge thing for people to hear. One of the things that my dad taught me and I, I can remember this very clearly, one of these conversations. He he took me rock climbing and rappelling. And actually, this conversation was at the base of the chimneys out at mm. Table Rock. He was teaching me how to rock climb. And I remember him saying something along the lines of, you know, everything that you do son, is, is a risk. Mm. Uh, but they're all calculated risks. And before you climb this 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 rock face you need to understand what the risks are associated with you doing that and he told me that i needed to understand all the knots that were tied so that i knew that i was safe and that i needed to if somebody else tied one that i should look behind it and verify that they did it so that i knew what risk i was doing i've done a lot of risky things in my life but i don't consider myself really a risky person because i tend to value. Maybe that's some of the stuff I spend uh, thinking about in my silent time is what, what all could go wrong. And I know what could go wrong before I start doing it typically. And I'm okay with that consequence. Even if it's not the outcome that I want, I'm okay with it because I know that's a risk to be able to do what I'm doing or you don't do it. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, but in, and so um, just bring it back to your dad, cause you just mentioned him, you called him your Indiana Jones. Yeah. He was the best. I mean, he was the best adventurer ever. Yeah. You think you think dad was with you on that trip? He 
in so many ways, for sure. He's with me everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think that, well, I was up in Linville Gorge a few weeks before we were, and I was sitting at an overlook and just breathed in, and I could smell and taste the outdoors, and it was my dad, you know, so. Awesome, man. Well, you're keeping the legacy going. That's for sure. Yeah. Proud to know you, friend. Thanks. So listen, um, you know, people that listen to this podcast, um, this podcast is about inspiring others to get outside. And you're a huge inspiration to me. Um, and, you know, I think we had some great conversation during our backpacking trip. And you told me about some of the great places in North Carolina. And the place that you took us to for that trip was was breathtaking, Linville Gorge. And uh, so I just want to ask you for those that are listening, um, you know, if they kind of feel that nudge to get outside, but they experience like any fears or doubts or just kind of get those, you know, that chatter in their head that says, no, I can't do that. That's not for me. Like, what advice would you have for those people? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of great things happen when you push yourself to the edge of what you're, you're comfortable with. Um, when you're when you take yourself out of your comfort zones, really in the times that you develop character and really just kind of, you know, you, you learn a lot through navigating through challenges. And I would say that when you go on these adventures, there's a series of challenges. Sometimes it's discomfort of being cold or your legs being tired or whatever it is, but there's something about pushing through those things and knowing that you're a very capable person um, that is incredibly rewarding. And there are so many incredible things to see that you don't get to see just driving down the road. Um, that, you know, these days there are easy day trips and day hikes and ways to explore even right here inside Charlotte. Um, yeah. I just would encourage you to get outside and go do that. You know, there's great places like, Bill Barty's uh, group over at Jesse Brown's, you can walk in there and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in going on a really short, quick adventure and, and, and you know, get my toes wet. And those guys can tell you yeah. about everything that you need and help yeah. set you up with everything that you need. And you probably already have the majority of the things that you need because it doesn't really take much. And I just would say go out and do it. Um, so many great wonderful things to go see that we don't get to experience driving around town that yeah i would it, it would just do it so true just get outside and do it all right so will like especially this adventure in the river right i mean that's just going to be one scene but hollywood's going to make a movie about you at some day, at some mm -hmm. point and that's just going to be one scene in the movie but i want to know when they do make the movie about you who's going to be the actor that plays you I appreciate the heads up on this because uh, <laughs> it was not a very easy decision, but I thought about this for a while. I think Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, nice. Awesome. I love that too, because when we were backpacking, we went right by the spot that you said was, uh, was part of the movie last of the Mohicans. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, man. Actually, my brother is the one that suggested that one. Uh, and as I went and looked back at some of the movies and, Whatever they had done, I felt like that was a great option. Oh, that's a great one. So what's your movie going to be called? Embrace the Wild. 
Ooh, Embrace the Wild, starring Daniel Day Lewis. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that movie for sure. Well, and uh, Will, I hope maybe you could share a few pictures with uh, with the listeners. We can see some of your some of your adventures and some of the encounters that you've had. That'd be awesome. We could throw those on the show notes. Absolutely, I'll I'll send some over to you, and then uh, if anybody would like, uh, I don't have a very active Instagram, but I do have an Instagram that's at n.c.wild, and I usually uh, I only post adventure stuff on there. So cool. usually it's related to my vehicle, not me. So if you go <laughs> on uh, Instagram at, at n.c.wild, you can check out my journey and, and see all cool. kinds we'll, of fun pictures. We'll, we'll post a link to that as well in the show notes. So for those listening, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Will's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thanks for listening. Will, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's great.